You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Like so many things in our reality, our bodies work in a binary system in many different ways. For example, when we're in a state of stress, our sympathetic nervous system that quote fight or flight nervous system is really running the show. And the parasympathetic quote rest and digest nervous system is halted, it's getting muted. Both of those things are not running the show at one time. It's very similar to the zeros and ones with binary code. When one thing is on, the other thing is getting pushed to the side. And very much like progress in our lives, we can't go forwards and backwards at the same time. Both of these things are not happening simultaneously. It's a tug of war situation that takes place and we find ourselves getting stuck. And if we stretch this out to our cognition, to our perception of reality, to our ability to achieve, what happens when we are inundated with stress? What happens when we are lacking the awareness of how powerful we are to affect change and to write our stories? What's getting muted is our creativity, our zest for life, our sense of empowerment, and more so than ever, There are things in our environment, the majority of people in our society today are being inundated with disempowering messages, messages driven by fear, really looking to tap into that sympathetic fight or flight nervous system, because what that does is that keeps you on high alert, right? And so when we're on high alert, our ability to be peaceful, to be calm, to perspective take, again, those things are getting muted. And what does that do? That makes people more controllable to run in one direction. And so right now we need to expand our awareness, expand our ability to tap into the plethora of internal tools that we have at our disposal. Again, our ability to be more creative, more empowered, more intelligent, our abilities to problem solve. All of these things are accessible. That's why I want to put together this special compilation of conversations that I had with somebody who evokes that within me. This is the person in my life, outside of my wife and my kids and my mother-in-law, who provides me with that level of insight and inspiration when I needed to really help to remember my power to affect change in the world, even when stuff can be chaotic on the outside. And so I wanted to be able to package up these messages because I know it can be immensely valuable. Right now, we're in a place where there's a momentum shift that's happening. But it's not done yet. If we're talking about being progressive and being able to be affirmative for focusing on health and wellness of our citizens, this conversation is growing, but this is the time to double down. And so I'm very excited about putting this together and to be able to share this with you today. I think it's going to absolutely motivate you, but also to provide you with some powerful tools that you can use for many years to come. Now, speaking of the tools that people are utilizing, to help them to get through the day. In our society, people, that coffee hitter is is the go-to for so many of us just to get our morning started. You know, for some folks, it's a wonderful ritual. For other folks, it's a crutch, all right? And for other folks, it's an addiction, right? It's just one of those things where in our culture, it's been so glamorized and also bastardized. All right, now when I say that word, I'm thinking about Jon Snow, Game of Thrones, all right, it's been bastardized. And the root of coffee, which has been utilized for thousands of years, has been so 
mutated and degraded to the degree that it's no longer even resembling what it once did. Today, it's littered with pesticides and insecticides. It's often coming along with, for the average person, highly refined sugars, artificial sweeteners, artificial flavors and colors. And these creamers, quote creamers, that are hitting our bloodstream with really low quality, highly refined seed oils. Again, under the guise that this thing is, oh, it's a low calorie, this or that. So it's so far removed from the root of coffee, which can be, in its truest form, really remarkable for human health. For example, a study published in Practical Neurology detailed how regularly drinking coffee has been shown to help prevent cognitive decline and reduce the risk of developing Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. Coffee helps to reduce the risk of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. A lot of folks don't realize this. Alzheimer's is creeping its way into the top five leading causes of death here in the United States. Now, what might be new to some people is the fact that coffee also has some truly remarkable effects on our metabolism. Again, we're not talking about coffee with all of the, the bells and whistles, all right, the conventional bells and whistles, but we're talking about high quality coffee in and of itself. A study published in the journal Nutrition found that light to moderate coffee drinkers, we're talking somewhere in the ballpark of one to three cups a day, had the lowest amounts of visceral belly fat compared to non-coffee drinkers and heavy coffee drinkers. Again, there's a bell curve. There's a bell-shaped curve of benefits. All right. Now, also, researchers at the School of Medicine at the University of Nottingham discovered, and by the way, when I say that one, I'm thinking Robin Hood, but not just the Kevin Costner, all right? Robin Hood, men in tights, all right? Shout out to Mel Brooks, shout out to Dave Chappelle. In that movie, he played a character named Achu, all right? I'm not kidding. So if you haven't seen that one, absolute classic. But research at the University of Nottingham discovered that coffee may be able to influence the activity of your brown adipose tissue. Now, this is a type of fat that burns white adipose tissue, that storage fat that we're thinking about, which is showing up on our bodies, the stuff that we're trying to, quote, burn or to eliminate. We're talking about the white adipose tissue. And so coffee has that effect as well. They're actually using thermal imaging and found that drinking coffee lights up brown fat dominant locations on the body, indicating increased thermogenesis. Now, don't stop there with high quality coffee, organic coffee, what if we infuse that with long storied medicinal mushrooms like cordyceps? A study published in the American Journal of Chinese Medicine found that cordyceps protects our mitochondria. This is where fat is actually getting burned by scavenging reactive oxygen species. Also, several human studies have indicated that cordyceps improves cardiovascular function, VO2 max, insulin sensitivity, the list goes on and on and on. That's the coffee I had today organic, high-quality coffee infused with cordyceps. And this is coming from Four Sigmatic. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. You get 10% off the incredible coffee blends, as well as their mushroom hot cocos, mushroom elixirs, and just everything that they carry. All right, this is exclusive with the Model Health Show. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G. M-A-T-I-C dot com 
forward slash model for 10% off. Now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Life Changing by RM Jackson 24 Every episode offers information that is life-changing. I wish I would have had this in my life 20 years ago. Awesome. The best time was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. I'm so happy that you found me, and I appreciate you so much for taking the time to leave this review over on Apple Podcasts. And on that note, let's get to this special empowerment compilation. When I'm in need of empowerment and inspiration personally, the first person that I turn to is my friend and mentor, Dr. Michael Beckwith. And he's the founder of Agape Spiritual Center and also best-selling author. And one of his programs changed my life long before I met him, the life visioning process, which was an absolute game changer. And in this first segment, he's going to be talking about the importance of our intention. And he's going to be talking about this phenomenon of having an intention deficit disorder. And he's also going to be talking about the four stages of psychological growth and how to traverse these stages. Because many of us are existing in stage one is causing a lot of turbulence in our lives. And so that's a really, really important piece for you to listen for. And he's also going to be diving in on how we can instantly shift our mindset and our perception by utilizing the innate power of something called, from a scientific perspective, it's something called instinctive elaboration. But he's simply going to break it down and talk about the power of utilizing questions. So let's jump into this first powerful conversation with my good friend, Dr. Michael Beckwith. I love people, first of all. And then uh, I primarily, you know, when you're in service, you know, when, when, you, when you understand um, the nature of reality, the nature of the interconnectedness between people, between each, each and every one of us, uh, you're here for each other. You know, so, so I, I, I live to be in service. And so that connects me to people. Now, I know a lot of people who are in service, but they don't necessarily like people. So they have a hard job. Yeah. I have an easy job because I like people and I like being of service, you know, helping motivate, inspire, encourage, activate. You know, it, it's all a part of who I am. So. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what about the folks, we were just talking about this too, that are in service, but they don't want to be in service. You know, can you work on that to, because I think you just mentioned it, that there's an interconnectedness that I yeah. don't think we realize. Right. Well, when you, when, when, you, when you have to do something, you don't like doing it, then you have to pray to fall in love with what you don't like to do. And that that's also gives you a, a hedge in success because being successful, there are things you don't like to do, you know, in developing a discipline around it. So you have to, you know, establish an intention to really fall in love with the things you don't like to do. Just like you have to fall in love with eating certain vegetables. You know, you can't have an immature taste bud your whole life and eat candy. You know, you have to eat spinach, you have to, I, I've grown to like beets, you know, mm -hmm. you have to, so in that same way, there are things we may not have a proclivity towards. So we have to ask, let me fall in love with this part yeah. until what you don't like to do becomes something that you, 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 you start to like and then it becomes becomes really cool. Yeah. Well, you just said a dirty word in there. You said discipline. Yeah. So I, even when, when I hear it, it's still there's a little tinge of like, that's, that sounds very difficult. Well, you know, when you look at the word disciple, the, the disciple comes from a word that means you're, you're in love with something. 
So if you're a disciple of something, you're a disciple of the martial arts, you're a disciple of music, disciple of the piano, you actually love the music. You actually love the outcome. So when you, uh, so, so when you become a disciple, discipline becomes a blissipline, mm. a word I coined many years ago. And you actually, it's not like, I gotta do this, you know, I, I don't wanna do it, but I gotta do it. You actually start falling in love with the outcome of what you're doing in that moment. You know, so if it's, if it's martial arts, if it's exercise, if it's nutrition, eventually the outcome of the discipline that has become the discipline, you actually dig it. You know, you, you, you look at anybody who's working on themselves, and once they start to see the results of their work, something happens inside. You know, they get excited about the chemicals start flowing in their body, uh, neurons start firing, you know, the endorphin starts kicking in. It's like, yeah, this is tough right now to lift this weight. This is tough right now to do whatever it is I'm called to do, but I'm so connected to the outcome that the discipline has now become a blissipline. I'm into, I'm in the bliss, the, the bliss chemicals are flowing, you know. So, yeah, I think in our culture, discipline has become a bad word, but we have to reclaim it yeah. and take it to another level. I just flew in from uh, Denver yesterday, I was participating in America Meditates, and uh, people from all over the world gathered, and they were in a number of hundreds of cities live stream as we were teaching about meditation and mental health. There was Tim Ryan and Sri Sri Ravi Shankar was putting it on, and Marianne Williamson, a number of people, um, because there's a correlation between a meditation and the transcending of mental illness. So meditation, if we describe what meditation is, it's paying undistractable attention to reality, to the eternal, to that which is real. And you learn to um, have dominion, as you were just talking, you're having dominion over your attention so that you can place your attention where you want it to be. So in meditation, you're paying attention. You can use the breath, you can use a mantra, however you want to do it, but ultimately you're paying attention to th that which is changeless. Now, most people suffer from an intention deficit disorder and an intention deficit disorder. So their mind is all over the place. Their, their mind has been hijacked by worry, fear, anxiety, anxiousness, um, uh, beliefs that aren't true. And then their life becomes, uh, they, have, they, they start to experience those thoughts and those perceptions. So there are different um, aspects to meditation. One aspect is there's a cleansing to it. There's uh, those thoughts, they surface so that you can look at them. Is this true? Is this not true? You can embrace, help dismantle, transmute them. And then there's um, periods of meditation where you have real bona fide insights. You actually know something that you either formerly just believed or maybe you didn't even know this part of reality even existed. So there's meditation where you have insights and there's meditation where you're clearing things. Mm. But the average person's mind is hijacked by the world, yeah. the media, social media. They're thinking thoughts that don't even belong to them. They think they're thinking those thoughts, but their mind is obtaining those thoughts from the sea of mental garbage. So in meditation, you're purifying your awareness so that you can actually see the world as it really is, not just as it's being projected to you. Yeah. Wow. That's, so it's, it's that's very powerful. important. Yeah. It, it, you know. I love the fact that you said uh, 
intention deficit disorder. Right. So can you like talk a little bit more about that? Most people, again, until they have, they live with a level of deliberateness in their life, they suffer from an intention deficit disorder. They wake up and they're mainly reacting to circumstances. They're living as a reaction to things that are going on in the world, but they don't have an intention, a driving intention for their own life. So at the end of the day, they've simply just managed their reactions to whatever's going on, rather than establishing an intention, an intention to be your best self, an intention to improve in an area of your life. Now, when you have intention, now the universe through its laws can begin to help you with that intention. But if you don't have any intention, you're just kind of buffeted around on the ocean of life, wondering why you're not going anywhere. So you know, I, I teach people to make sure you establish an intention. Same thing in meditation. Mm-hmm. We, we have a point in meditation where you actually establish an intention. Why am I meditating? Yeah. You know, I'm meditating to have a realization of my oneness with life, and to activate wisdom, to activate intelligence. Uh, to become uh, conscious uh, that, uh, that, that I'm supported. I mean, you can have yeah. whatever intention you want, but to live an, an unintentional life, yeah. you're just going to go around in circles. That just makes so much sense. Yeah. Even starting, it's just like, I think a lot of us, um, if we're not trained like in the way that you were discussing uh, with meditation, just like, let's see what happens. Right. You know, versus <laughs> just like, let's, let's set an intention. It's just like when we... Uh, set out out this door like where are you going right you know to set that intention that's powerful like I never really it's 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 necessary because the world of phenomena is swirling we're gonna go outside in a minute and we're gonna read a news item about some crazy thing that's happening and it can just suck our attention and then we're not going where we need to go because we're caught up in the swirl of something else you see so uh, intentional living is where we want, we, we want to bring people to an intention. Now, what, what happens is, by law, I'm talking about mental law, you know, when you establish an intention, um, you start to be, to, intention is directional. It's like, I want to walk in that direction. So what happens is, the, 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 by law, the mental laws start to assist you in walking in that direction. Now, you may not get exactly where you think you want to get. It might even be better. Things may open up that you don't even know exist yet because you've established an intention. Mm-hmm. Whereas just rather than just sitting back and waiting to see what's going to happen, yeah. you know, this, that's a different kind of waiting. You establish an intention, then you wait for wisdom, guidance, direction. But just to, to wait around and see what's going to happen with your life, that's foolishness. You know, you've heard the old statement from the Bible that says, without vision, the people perish. If you don't have an intention or a vision for your life, you just going in circles. You just going in circles. Now, you said something. Let me just say this one thing because you said you applied it. Now, people say to me sometimes, you know, I understand the teachings. I've, I've I read your books. I've seen you on the live stream. You know, what's the advanced teachings? And I say, beginning is theory. Advanced is practice. So you practiced. Most people don't do that. They're not going to stick with the thing long enough to actually see the fruits of it. Like you say, they may read the book, they may hear a lecture, they may get excited for a moment, but to actually, day by day by day, actually practice, that's where the change is. Yeah, that's powerful. And even just going back to the analogy with the the basketball player, you know, it's just building those muscles and um, kind of a skill set. 
right. in a sense. And so what, what makes life visioning different from goal setting? It's, it's um, you know, I, I break the, the, the reality into four stages. First stage is being a, it's the victim stage. We think something is doing something to us. Second stage is the stage where you learn how to manifest, and that's where you learn goal setting. You learn visualization, the creative use of your imagination. You take your imagination back where it's been hijacked. Uh, you start to realize that you're being supported by a progressively friendly universe. But then the next level is visioning. Visioning is what you did, is saying in substance that there's something within me. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm open and receptive to it guiding me. So I make myself receptive to that which has been placed within me, only within me, to come forward and articulate itself. So I'm asking a question. Goal setting and, and visualizing is, I know what I want, I want this. I'm gonna visualize it. This is my goal. I'm gonna do A, B, and C, and D to get to the goal. Now, that's beautiful, it's wonderful, but many times people get to their goals and they still feel empty. And they feel like, okay, I've, I've, I've done this, I've done that, I have all these things, but I'm not happy yet. So that means they haven't tapped into their, their real, what is called meant to be. It's like there's a should be and there's a meant to be. Should be is from outside sources. Yeah. You should do this. Meant to be is there's something within you that only you can do the way you can do it. Mm. And so uh, visioning brings you to your meant to be-ism. It's like uh, a rose is not gonna be an avocado tree. You know, an oak tree is not gonna be an, a, a magnolia. You know, you're gonna be you, I'm gonna be me. So there's something about me that I'm trying to set free. So envisioning, I'm, I'm asking a question, ultimately. You know, what, is, what within me is trying to emerge? What gift am I to give? Um, what blessing am I to bestow upon the world? And if you ask those questions sincerely, you start to be guided in a language and in a way that you can understand, and then you start to walk in that direction. And, and then there are things, like you were saying, you don't even know that even exist. They're outside of your experience. But they start to come into your experience yeah. by asking the right question, you see. Yeah. So that's, that's a big difference. But however... The fundamentals of goal setting and visualization are very important. That's the foundation. Then you leap from that into visioning. It's, it's, it's to us, by us, through us, and as us. First stage, something is happening to us. You know, there's something out there that's out to get us. Uh, there's a God, there's a devil, there's an astrology. You know, there's all these things that are determining our destiny. Our parents, how we were raised, it, it, our experiences become excuses. And then stage two, we actually learn how to, we learn the laws of manifestation. We learn creative visualization, creative imagination, right speech, right conversation, hanging out with the right kind of people that are going in the direction you want to go in. You learn basic fundamentals of manifestation. And, 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 and now to us, not only becomes by us, but it becomes for us. Mm. Meaning everything that's happened to us is actually pushing us towards a lesson to learn something. So what looks like is happening to me 
after a while, it's transmuted into for me. So that negative thing that happened actually is making me learn compassion, wisdom, intelligence, forgiveness, integrity. So if something terrible has happened to you, you can let it knock you down. But ultimately, it can be for you. And you can say, because that thing happened to me when I was a child, I have way more compassion today. I have way more strength, you see. So, And so in the manifestation stage, we learn that. And then we start to segue into stage three, which is through us, meaning life on its own terms is wonderful. Life is alive. Life is teeming with itself. Life never dies. Life is always expressing. And so life starts to operate through us. That's the level of flow or the zone. I call it flow motion, where you've done your work, you've trained, you've prepared, but then something takes over. And beyond what you can prepare yourself for, something is just operating through. You've seen orators, you've seen poets, you've seen athletes, you've seen doctors, you've seen surgeons. Something takes them over. That's stage three. But it's built upon the structure that they've created in stage two. So then there's stage four, which is as us, with a sense of separation between you and life. Now, life has a lot of names. People call it God, great God of the universe. I happen to call it limitless love intelligence everywhere. You start to realize that you are an emanation of this life. You're not separate. Life isn't, God isn't over there. Life isn't over there and you're over here. Because if life is omnipresent, that means life has to be right here, mm-hmm. whatever name you want to call it. Okay. And, and you start to have pinprick moments where you realize, I'm at one with this. I'm not separate, you see. And that, that, that may last a nanosecond, or it may last an hour, or it may last days. But little by little by little, your filters are cleansed, and you live at these higher octaves for long, longer periods of time. Now, the four stages are not linear. You know, they, they move in cycles, meaning in one area of your life, you might feel victimized. But in another area of your life, you may feel like a master. Yeah. You know, so it's not like a linear stair-step kind of thing. But you're constantly growing so that more and more parts of your life come under the, the authority of uh, this is for me, this is by me, this is through me, and there are moments of as me, you see. It's a grow, growing edge. Yeah. So, and this is what's different about us and me being able to ask you about this. There's so many people who are at that level of victim. Yeah. Like, I grew up in a situation... You know, we didn't have much, right. you know, um, but it's still in perspective. Like now, even looking back, like most of the world is subsisting on $5 a day. Right. You know, but, you know, we were in poverty. I slept on the floor. Right. You know, roaches and mice. and They thought that was their house. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> we're interrupting. Sorry right. to interrupt you. Cut the lights on. I don't right, right. But, um, you know, and there was a time when I, you know, we lived next door to a crack house, you know, right. and many of my family members being victim to that life. And you know, ending up debilitated or dead, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult for me to talk about or to foresee that life is happening for me right. when I'm in that state. Right. So, how do we get people or help them to see this process to even give them access to know that there's something beyond that when you're just trying to survive? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, obviously something happened in you. 
for you to see beyond that. Now, what happens is an individual gets sick and tired of being sick and tired. Fannie Lou Hamer coined that particular stage. You know, they asked her, you know, how she was able to move the way she moved. And she said, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Now, when you get to be sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're open for change. Yeah. And then a new thought will come in and a book may fall off the shelf or they may hear your podcast or, you know, what happens is something opens up in someone. So we have to be out there planting seeds, you know, and what happens is those seeds hit people and at the right time they germinate. Mm. You know, they may not hit, may not uh, go in the first time they hear it. They say, oh, that's nothing. I, you know, they don't understand my experience. I'm, you know, next door to a crack house. What does he know? You know, but that seed is planted. And then one day when that individual is sick and tired of being sick and tired, they remember something you said, some technique, some technology, some statement. And once they become interested, see the word interest uh, uh, comes from a word that means to love. You know, once you become interested in something, then the universe opens up for you. It starts to bring you serendipitous coincidences. Things start to come into your, your, you start to meet the right people, start to hear the right things once you're interested. And when a person becomes sick and tired of sick and tired, they become interested. You know, so I say, you know, uh, pain pushes you yeah. until the vision pulls you. So pain is pushing. Yeah. And then you be, something happens. You get sick and tired of the pain. You become interested. And then you start to be pulled by something else. And then, you know, a quantum leap. You have a quantum leap. And a quantum leap means that you've gone from one level to another without a ladder. It's a, it's a quantum leap. You've actually, I'm interested in this. So now that you're interested in this, you start to see what you're interested in. You see? Well, if you're, if, you're, if you're interested in not getting robbed, if you're interested in not getting sick, you see robbery and sickness. But if you become interested in health, you become interested in prosperity, you become interested in success, you start to see life differently. You start to see possibilities. And once you start to see possibilities combined with intention, life opens, the door opens up. It's a different life. Now, most people, the victim is asking what's wrong, who's to blame, and why me? When you come out of that and you start to ask, you know, what's health? What is prosperity? What is success? Now, those questions will be answered because the universe, by law, will answer any question that you ask. So if you ask why me, you're going to get a whole lot of reasons and excuses as to why you're in the situation you're in. But if you ask, what is the nature of health? You asked about your bones. You asked about yourself. What's, what's the nature of health? You discovered it little by little by little, and then you applied it, and you're healthy, you see. So you actually did that. So if you're going back to the person you asked the question earlier, somebody's in the ditch. They're, they're a victim. They want to get out. Start asking an empowering question. Ask the question like, what gift is trying to emerge through me? What is, if, you're, if you don't have any money, ask, what is the nature of prosperity? Just ask the question. What is the nature of success? Not, oh, why did so-and-so do this to me? Why did they steal from me? Why is the man on my back? Why, why? Don't, don't no, 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 yeah. no. Those are unanswerable questions. You know, that's, patholo that's pathology. Yeah. You know, ask, what is the nature of success? 
and become interested in it. And then it'll come into your atmosphere. You'll meet somebody. A book will come to you. Uh, you'll hear this podcast. And then with that interest, you'll get your next assignment. You'll get your next level of practice. Your life will change. Uh, the law of attraction is a, uh, what I call a linguistic convenience for really the law of radiation. You're actually radiating something. You're actually emanating a vibration. And then that vibration condenses itself as your experience, and it looks like you're attracting it to you. But you're actually sending that frequency out. And so the idea is you're seeking to become the next great vision and version of yourself. And so the law of attraction is a, is a, is a good entry-level conversation. How do I attract this to come to me? Now, you can't attract something if you're not it. If you're not holding that vibration, you can manipulate and get it into your life, but you won't be able to keep it because you're not vibrating at its frequency, which is why, like, say, people, people who steal that haven't earned it generally lose what they steal. They can't keep it. They have to keep stealing yeah. because they don't have the consciousness of actually having that. So if some, you steal somebody's car, that person is just going to have the insurance company buy them a new car. That's a part of them. They're not going to... It's going to be a minor inconvenience, but they're going to get another car. But the person who stole the car is going to ditch it after a while. They're going to have to sell it to steal another car, to steal another car. They're not it. They're not the thing, you see. So the law of attraction is actually, I teach the law of radiation, the law of radiance, the law of emergence. What does that mean? <clears throat> we live in a, in, a, in a field of infinite possibilities, infinite potential. And things already exist in the potential form. And at their proper, when you're at their proper frequency, they emerge, much like a rose emerges from a rose bush seed. It doesn't attract it. The seed is not attracting a rose. Inside of that seed, the rose bush emerges from it. Inside of an avocado seed, there's a tree that emerges from it. The seed is not attracting the avocado. It's, it's already in there. So in the beginning stage, as we learn these things, it's just easier to say the law of attraction, yeah. you see. But eventually, you have to actually become that vibration. So through study and practice, as you have done, your life changes. You actually, you are actually, you're not just teaching this stuff. You're actually living this. This is who you are. Yeah. You know, you, you, this is who you are. You, you cannot be separated from this. If somebody would have kidnapped you and throw you into another country, you'd still be this, mm. you see. And in, and in a short while, you'd manifest this all over again. And if somebody said, you can't live in America, you have to go live. Send them back. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go live somewhere else. Yeah. Within 30 days, you'd be up and running because this is who you are. Do you understand? So... Uh, so we segue. How do we segue? Stage two, you learn the laws of manifestation. Right speech, right conversation, right affirmation, context of right visualization, seeing the kind of life you want to live. This, you become interested. This begins to change your habits, your mental habits and your physical habits. And then there's a point of no return where you actually give birth to the next version of yourself. And now on the way to that, 
things are coming into your life. So you say, I'm I just met this person. I just attracted this person. I met this person at this party. Whew. You know, we're really getting along. We can really do this business together. It looks like attraction. It is on a certain level, but you're actually becoming that frequency. And after a while, what happens? You don't see anything but what you're interested in. You can walk into a room and you're gonna vibe with the people that you know, you know, you feel each other, you know, and you know right away if somebody's not, you know, really bringing the truth, you're not, you're not gonna be hanging with them that much. You know, hey, how you doing? Good to meet you, peace and blessings, you know what I mean? Yeah. And who you're gonna be with are birds of your flock, your tribe, you're gonna, you feel it, it's who you are. You see, and so the, the segue is the practice at stage two, the visualization, the right speech, being, being in integrity with your word, all of that until you become something different. And at, at the next level, you're not even really thinking about those things anymore because they're such a part of you. And two things happen we have to be careful, not careful, just conscious of. We get into a bubble, you know, because we're, we're around the people that think like we think. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm an agape. You know what I mean? And there's a certain mindset, there's a certain frequency of conversation. And we do have to be aware that there's large groups of people who are still suffering, large groups of people who don't understand these teachings yet. And, but we're creating an atmosphere that's making it easier for them to come into this frequency. So I always tell people, you know, there are millions of people who would love, if I'm at a meditation retreat or wherever I'm doing, they would love to be here. But they can't because right now they're, they're under the vibration of survival. They don't, they're not even thinking about meditation because they're trying to eat. So because we can do these practices, we must for the rest of the population. Mm. So it's, yeah. not that we're not, we don't, it's not that we don't notice that there are things going on in the world that are out of integrity, that are decadent. But we have to keep our frequency high because going down in the ditch is not going to help anybody. The only thing that helps somebody is that when you're rising higher and you bring somebody there rather than going into the pity party. You know, you, you, you have to be at a conscious level of celebration, yeah. celebrating the, 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 the fundamental goodness of the universal presence. Then you can help somebody. You can't help them if you're in the ditch. So it's, it's like you have your feet in two places. One, you have your feet in the eternal. One foot's in the eternal. There's no death, there's no loss, there's no birth, there's this eternal presence. And then you have your other foot in time. People die, people losing things. So our job is to bring the eternal into time. You know, so we, we hang on to the eternal and becomes real to us, stage three and stage four. But we come into time, as you said, how can I serve? Yeah. How can I alleviate suffering? How can I inspire? How can I encourage? How can I assist? But I can't do it if I'm down here. I can only do it from up here and bringing it into time. The first fundamental principle is unity or oneness. We're one with the presence. And in that presence, uh, and I, I'm speaking reality, I'm not speaking like religion, you know? This is like quantum reality. There's only one thing going on everywhere. Um, there are principles of abundance, uh, uh, harmonizing prosperity, health. So you have to make sure that your speech is in alignment with that. So you wouldn't say 
all the time, you know, I'm sick, or you wouldn't say all the time, I'm broke. You don't want to have that kind of speech. Now, you may be temporarily without money. Mm-hmm. Your body temporarily may not be at its optimum, optimal frequency. But you'd want to have your speech in alignment with where you want to go. Yeah. My body's healing right now. Yeah. Every, everything in the universe is conspiring for divine health. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm on a spir- upward spiraling path towards prosperity. So my speech would have to be in alignment with where I'm going. Now, of course, there are going to be moments where you vent, moments where you, yeah. you, know, you get mad, but you, then you have to come back. So that your speech is in alignment with where you want to go. You know, because your word, is, that's a vibration. You're releasing a vibration. So you want, you, want your, you want what comes out of your mouth to be in alignment with where you want to live. So sometimes you have to fast from talking. You know, just be quiet, you know. Uh, and and that, that's why we use affirmations. So we're retraining our subconscious mind. You know, I, Michael, am willing to be dynamically prosperous, inspirational and healthy. Sometimes you got to start with willingness. Can't just jump to, I am this, and mind goes, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> you can't pay your bills. How can you say you're prosperous? You know, so somebody may have to start with willingness. I'm willing to be an instrument of prosperity, abundance, health, wholeness. And then you, you slowly come into, I am. I am a vehicle. And so what's happening, it's reprogramming this subconscious mind. And then from there, you start to feel it. And I've been saying for 40 years, within the feeling brings the healing. So as you start to feel that, even before it shows up, you start to feel that you're prosperous. You start to feel that you're successful. You start to feel that you're supported. You have the feeling, then it starts to show up in your life. It starts to manifest. What does manifest mean? It means the invisible is now becoming visible. It's invisible as a thought, feeling, but then it, be, then it becomes visible. It shows up as a possibility, as a, somebody op- a door opening. It shows up as an ideal employment. It shows up as a new friendship. It shows up, it starts to manifest. But it's not going to manifest if you're not in integrity with it in your word and in your feeling. You know? so that's where the work is. Yeah, right. Because when you're in the ditch... You, you're complaining. You, you, you know, you're using all of your creative energies to find new ways of c- complaining yeah. and new ways, a new excuse making. I've become creative in excuse making, you know. <laughs> but once you start to take on the principles, you become creative in how you talk to yourself. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. It really all connects now. You know, it just, I know you've got it all laid out with the, the life visioning, which, shout out to life visioning. Make sure you pick it up. It's awesome. <laughs> all right. Um, but, when you mentioned being able to put your attention back onto um, the, the positive speech or more affirmative speech, affirmative, right. because you're going to have those moments when you're like, you know, I, I'm broke as a joke or, right. you know, the situation is just, you know, terrible, whatever it is, these negative things we might say, you know, there's no, I, there is no way to fix this. Right. We will say some of the most ridiculous things that we know are not true. Right. But how do you get yourself back to that place? It's through meditation. It's where you mentioned this earlier is being able to shift and put your attention right. on what you want or on what is real. Right. And so that practice really leans itself to being more form- formidable in this practice. Right. You, you can't do it without practice. And I'll, I'll give you a little trick that I teach the students is that, and this is, it's, it's a little tricky to do this, but when you're in that downward spiral and you're complaining or you're mad, actually use that energy 
to affirm the truth, but do it angrily. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like you're on a downward spiral, you know, slam your hand on the table and say, why do I always have too much money? You know, <laughs> why do things always work together for my, I don't understand it. Why do I, why am I so healthy all the time? But you do it <laughs> angrily. So you're not, you're not trying to suppress, we don't want to suppress or repress energy because it's going to show up somewhere else. Yeah. So emotionally backed affirmations, yeah. you're actually transmuting the energy. You go, you're angry, so you might as well use it. Yeah. You know, and so you use that energy and it starts to fizzle out. But what's happened is you've reprogrammed your mind passionately, you see. In, instead of, because a lot of times people wake up, the day's just starting, the birds are singing, life is good, and they're sitting there meditating, and they're affirming, and then they get on the freeway and someone cuts them off, or uh, something doesn't go as planned, and there's, oh, you know, they start going crazy. You know, if you can, it's, diff it's, not, it's a difficult practice, yeah. you know, because when you're in it, you're in it. But if you can just get away a little bit and just say, why do things always work together? Please show me why do I keep making so much money? Why does my body heal so fast? The universe will answer those questions. And because you've asked passionately, it'll come quickly. Wow. Wow. That's so awesome. So yeah. you want to have a partner with that sometimes. I call you on it a little bit. Oh, you're, yeah. You're in it. You don't want to. You don't wanna. Uh, this, that's immediately what I thought about, yeah. you know, um, because sometimes, you know, it's even happened recently in, in the process of moving. Yeah. Yeah. My wife says something. I was like, you know, you know, that's not true. She was like, I know, but still, you know, <laughs> like she literally put that passion into, you know, that exact thing. Right. And it's, what's so amazing to me is when you were talking earlier, I realized that sometimes when those crazy words and thoughts come out of my mind, like I'm to the place where I'll see it coming out, like, now you know that's not true. Right. And I'm able to bring myself back to what is real. Right. You know? Well, that's, a, that, that, that's authority, and that's a level of mastership, when you can see it and then pull yourself back. But the person who's living in the victim stage, they can't pull themselves back. Yeah, they don't even see it. Yeah. It yeah. just becomes a habit. Yeah. So I'll say, you know, it's okay to vent. You, vent, you may vent to a person. You may have a good friend in which yep. you say, hey, this went down. I don't like it. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, you vented. But then if you call somebody else and do the same thing again, now that's practicing what you don't want. You see, now, mm -hmm. I'm, now I'm taking yeah. my vent and I'm making it a part of my practice. Then I'm going to call this next person and say, you just said it to this person. Why are you going to call this person and say the same thing? And then call this person and say the same thing. By the time you get to this person, you should be finished. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And you're also spreading that, yeah. that energy. And everybody's agreeing with you about yeah. the negative yeah. thing that yeah, you're yeah. seeing. Affirming you. No, you, you, you have to vent. But then the next time, it should be at a higher level of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So this speaks to having people in our life that are supportive of that, of bringing you back to Absolutely. the truth, you right. know. And so I want to talk about that. I, mean, I personally, and I've expressed this many times, I feel that I'm a nutritionist, so I thought food was everything. Mm -hmm. But I really feel that our relationships are the most influential things in like the tangible reality yeah. on our health. Yeah. And just our success overall. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of folks listening right now, have, you know, there are many people who are in wonderful relationships or they're working towards it. But some folks are just, you know, that's their story. Like, you know, I've got these people around me in my clinical practice. That was the number one thing why people couldn't 
Toxic because people. of, yeah, yeah. you know, well, my, my, my husband won't or, you know, it's my kids or, you know, constantly pointing fingers, but then not really realizing that you have the power to affect change right. in your relationships as well. Right. You know, I used to say years ago that when you choose a relationship, you're biting off a chunk of your destiny. You're actually choosing the direction you're going to walk in. So you actually have to choose the people you're going to be around because that's what your life is going to look like. And so... <clears throat> So you want to transcend neediness, so you're not just being around people just to not be lonely, you know, so that the people that you're around are a part of the tribe of becoming, the tribe of each of us want to become the next great version of ourselves. So there has to be a kind of uh, an agreement among the people we hang out with that we're actually trying to be better. And with the awareness that wherever we are, we're barely scratching the surface to the next level of our awareness. You know, so we're not sitting on our laurels, I'm all that, I've got it made, you know. And so if that's a part of your tribe's credo, that we're all evolving, that becomes a part of our intention, then the conversations within that tribe are supportive and helpful, encouraging, sometimes tough love, you know, but it's all in the process of us, gr- of us growing. You know, and then we have to understand what a relationship is. It's a ship of transformation. It's a, it's, a, it's a ship in which individuals, whether it's business, whether it's intimate, whatever it is, we are participating in something bigger than ourselves. So uh, I, I, I say that a relationship is a joint participation in the good of life, meaning um, you have two fish swimming in the ocean. You know, they're, they're doing their thing. One fish may say to the other fish, hey, you know what? If you make me happy, I'm going to give you all the water you can handle. (laughs) But they're swimming in it. Right. (laughs) That one fish can't give the other fish water. So they're actually actually relating in something bigger than both of them, water. Mm -hmm. So we're all relating in something bigger than all of us. That's love. We're surrounded by love. We're surrounded by infinite potential. So a relationship is a joint participation in something bigger than all of us. And if we're all connected to something bigger, then I have more to share with you. You have more to share with me because I'm not trying to get it from you. And you're not trying to get it from me. We're getting it from where it is. But we're swimming together and we're sharing with each other and we're loving each other. We're supporting each other because it's infinite. It's not going to run out. You know, that, those two fish, they're not running out of water. Yeah. You know, so they can share infinitely and swim and jive and do, avoid these hooks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this made me think of uh, to also be weary of the fish who, who talk that way to you, you right, know, like, right. I'll give you all the water you want, right, you know, right. because that, that's how another way that we can we, manipulate each other. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So with, with that said, um, another big relationship that we have today is with social media, man, you right. know, and just with the internet, it's a whole new entity yeah. that never existed before in human history. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing this more and more and I'm definitely concerned about it and I'm making moves myself Proactively, I mean, with, it starts within my own household, yeah. but also just at a larger scale because I see the potential. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's beautiful parts to it, and there's with anything. negativity. Yeah. But um, but people establishing their value through those mediums that you know a certain amount of likes or followers gives a certain level of importance, and you know I've seen it within myself as well, and I see how easy you can fall into that into that trap. And so, especially for younger kids and, and their, their malleable minds, you know, and so what, from you, from your perspective, 
because it's a thin line of having inspiration mm-hmm. from the things we might see on social media to feeling that we're not enough. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you think we can do to kind of traverse this? Yeah, I think just having the conversation, first of all. But you're right when you say that, you know, I didn't have to deal with that coming up in, in elementary school, yeah. junior high school. You know, you actually talk with people. You actually, yeah. you actually uh, if you had to beef with somebody at school, you, you dealt with it. Yeah. Now somebody has a tool that they can actually say something to somebody that they wouldn't say to that person's face. You know what I mean? They wouldn't say, they wouldn't say that. They, if you were with the person and you had an issue, you would actually talk to that person, say, I don't agree with you. There'd be a conversation. There'd be something going on that would eventually get resolved. But with social media, I can hide. And I, I can say to Sean, man, that's a bunch of... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'll never have to even see you. Yeah. So on one hand, it's dangerous because people can actually do that. The other dangerous part is, as you indicated, people are developing their self-esteem from it, you know, or, or, or self-hate. There's bullying on there as well. So I think that, like with anything, it's a tool that can be very inspirational, very educational, and we have to uh, encourage everyone, not just young folks, but everyone, to use this tool for inspiration, encouragement, and community building, and not tearing each other down. You know, we, it has to be a, a tool for unity, whereas now there are, there are silos of hate, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just mirroring the consciousness in the world, except yeah. that now you have a tool, um, just as uh, human beings went from sticks and stones to bombs and guns, you know, that consciousness was there, but then they had a way to extend it. And now we're, we're dealing with nuclear armaments and gun control. We still have to go back to consciousness, so that people understand that they're one with each other. That's, that's, a, that's a big job we have. Yeah, absolutely. So social media is simply a symptom of the underlying angst of humanity. It's not the problem, it's a symptom. You know, elect- electricity is beautiful, but when you put it into an electric chair, it'll kill somebody. Mm. Or it can l- light up this light or amplify what we're saying, yeah. you know. But it's, it's, it's the consciousness behind it. You mentioned something earlier, and I, I just don't want, don't want to make sure that it gets glanced over, but you mentioned that each person has a, nobody can be them, right? you know, and that's, it's such a unique, valuable proposition. And your mission is to be, express more of you that right. can never be duplicated. Right. And so with that said, and, and how we're eyeballing social media with our potential envy or sense of not being enough, um, how can we look at it a little bit differently in understanding our value? Mm-hmm. Um, because when you said that earlier, I wanted to talk more about it, but so I'm glad I could circle back to it. Right. First of all, this, this, this great life, whatever name you want to call it, it never repeats itself. There's nothing, there's nothing in the world that's exactly the same as anything else. We're all unique expressions. Every blade of grass is different. Every snowflake that comes out you know, they've, take, they've done experiments where they've taken snow, let it melt, then, then they refroze it and it went back to the original shape, but each shape is different. So there's nothing the same. So we're incomparable. So we have to teach ourselves and become aware that we are unique expressions of whatever this thing we want to call it. So if I do not self-actualize, then who I am as a unique expression of the infinite is not going to be expressed. This piece that I'm to do is not going to happen. You can't do my piece. 
and I can't do your piece. Only you can do your piece. Only I can do my piece. So we all have like a, a mandate from the universe to grow up and mature and to, to be ourselves. So that, what does that give us? It gives us a level of self-love and esteem because I'm the only me here in this entire cosmos with multidimensional universes and parallel universes and galaxies. And there's only one me. So if I don't be me, me ain't going to happen. You know, so so we want to encourage people to understand that because what happens is when you don't understand it, you try to make yourself unique. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you do all kind of weird things to be unique. Yeah. But you're already unique. And so that, that's a uh, that's that's what happens when you go through these stages. You start to realize your uniqueness. You start to fall in love with how you were made and where you were made from, not just your parents. But before your parents, what, that, what, the, what is that life that made you? So that means that everyone has significance. Everyone has meaning. Everyone's meaningful. Everyone has access to the same power. Everyone has access to the same intelligence that runs through uh, the entire universe. But am I upping my wattage capacity to allow that energy to flow through me? All right, I hope that you're enjoying this compilation in this next conversation that we had. And this was actually filmed at my house when everything was shut down in the world. And he's going to be talking about how fear affects our biology. Now, on this note, something really important for us to understand is that from a biological perspective, there are certain systems in our bodies that manage our stress response and manage our response to fear. And a lot of this has to do with our hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And we're in a state of fear, we're actually dumping out vast amounts of certain electrolytes like magnesium. And also our adrenals are kind of purging for use by other systems, things like vitamin C and B vitamins. These are why these are known to be stress modulating nutrients. But in particular, a 2016 study reported that magnesium is able to reduce the activity of your sympathetic fight or flight nervous system and turn on the activity of your parasympathetic rest and digest nervous system. Another study published in Pharmacological Report states that magnesium is able to interact with the inhibitory GABA receptors that induce anti-anxiety effects. That's just one key electrolyte. Another one, sodium. Researchers at McGill University found that sodium functions as a quote on-off switch in the brain for specific neurotransmitters that support optimal function and protect the brain against numerous degenerative diseases. Right, super powerful stuff. We need electrolytes more than ever. And this is something that I utilize. I actually just had my electrolytes before the show today. I get them exclusively from Element. They're sourcing things the right way. There's no nefarious sugars, artificial colors, none of that stuff. Just high quality electrolytes in ratios that they use hundreds of thousands of data points. By the way, Element is being utilized by Major league teams now, you know, they're swapping out. They might have a contract that they have to have Gatorade containers on the sideline, but they're filling that bad boy up with Element because more and more sports organizations are utilizing higher level nutrition training. Even guests that we've had here on the Model Health Show, for example, like our friend, Dr. Kate Shanahan, she was brought in by the Los Angeles Lakers to help them to kind of reform their nutrition protocol. So things are changing from the kind of major media perspective, but also grassroots, we have access to this stuff as well. Go to drink 
lmnt.com forward slash model. And you're going to get a free gift with every purchase. You're going to get a free sample pack that you can utilize and try out all the different flavors, or you can give that sample pack to a friend, which is what I tend to do. All right, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash model. Take advantage of this free gift offer right now. And now let's get to the second segment with the amazing Michael Beckwith. Now in this next segment, he's going to be sharing some powerful insights about the state of our society's health. Plus, he's going to be sharing some invaluable tips to help you to deal with fear, especially today when we can be inundated by things to worry about. Let's hop into this segment with the amazing Dr. Michael Beckwith. There are so many levels to what's happening, you know, from the, the very practical uh, fear that's gripped people's minds, that's, cre you know, that's the virus of the mind, first of all, is fear. And fear uh, diminishes your perspective, uh, blocks your perception, inhibits wisdom, guidance, and direction. So the world has taken a nightmare pill where they're living in uh, the vibration of a worst case scenario and all the things that come with that. Um, from the higher perspective, we're in a deep cleansing. You know, the, 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 the earth itself is vibrating at a much higher octave. The earth is alive. You know, when you look at it from the, the shamanic mystical uh, vibration uh, domain, the earth is alive and it's vibrating high, which means that everything at a lower frequency is being cleansed out. From the scientific point of view, they can measure the vibration of the earth and it's definitely increased over the last 30 years. So from the science and from the mystical, uh, shamanic, you know, frequency has raised which means that we're in a great clearing right now. You can see when you look out on the world events, things that would have taken years for us to discover, we now find out the next day. Like politicians would tell a lie, you wouldn't know that for five years. They got away with it. Today, you can see them lying right in front of you. You know they're telling a lie. You know, so things are much more transparent. So right now we're in a, in a, in a situation where you're looking at the death of an old paradigm and the birth of the new, but the old paradigm is very loud and trying to hold on. And the new, you have little buds of the new springing up, but they're not as loud as the old. And so I, I always like to say that those who are waking up and are embracing a higher order of being, love, compassion, generosity, service, you know, there's no superiority, or, or, or inferiority around humanity. We're all sourced from the same, same source. People who are, who are awakened to that, I like to say that we are the reporters of the new paradigm that's yet to be. And the other individuals are reporters of the status quo and that which is dying. So when you turn on the news and you look at the reporters telling you something, they're actually reporting from a status quo and old paradigm. And it inundates people's minds People actually believe what they're looking at, even though they forget that we live in the most censored, one of the most censored countries in the world. And you're only going to get what powers that be want you to see. So what looks bad, and it is terrible, death, mayhem, police brutality, uh, politicizing of a, of a COVID-19, you know, making a political football rather than dealing with some serious science behind it. It's all a part of an old paradigm trying to hold on, you know, 
And, and the first thing that has to happen is individuals have to know how to handle fear. They have to know how to navigate with that. They have to know how to mm, not allow it to run them, you know. And that's, that's a lot of the work that I have an opportunity to do. It's what you're doing, you know. The, the average person is scared, yeah. you know. And what happens when you're afraid? Your immune system right. diminishes. Yeah. Your immune system diminishes. You catch the common cold. You catch the flu. You catch whatever's out there. And it becomes um, more debilitating than it would be if you weren't afraid, yeah. you know. This is just common, commonsensical stuff. Yeah. Total, totally practical. Yeah. You know, know, I I actually marvel on a daily basis at how little we know. Yeah. And I'm very much interested right now in exploring the cosmos from our little little, uh, perspective that we can see. And the fact that we have billions of galaxies. We're in one galaxy. Right. Billions of galaxies. And we get so caught up in this minutia. Right. We're afraid of the smallest thing. Right. And there's so much that's so much grander than this. Right. And we forget how powerful we are. At the same time, it's just this beautiful poetry that's always existing. Because if you take that macro perspective, like, and my son Braden actually said this, he was like, to another galaxy, we're like an ant of an ant of an ant of an ant. It's like, we don't really matter, but we do at the same time. Right. You know, but it's just like, I, I use that perspective all the time to just see like, how big is this problem really? from the grand perspective. And then I can actually look at this from a more compassionate perspective and see what can I actually change? Because you've taught me this as well, that we do affect what's around, what's around us. Absolutely. I, th- I think that what you're saying is very important. We, we, we can ask ourselves, you know, am I gonna be concerned about this five years from now? What I'm dealing with, whatever it is. And then we say, it's probably not gonna be that important. Sometimes what I ask people to do is to take out a newspaper, read it from front to back, put it away, and then pick it up six months later and read it. And you'll see all the things you would, that was the top headlines, and everybody was concerned about this, and you know, it's generally faded, and something else is taking its place. And what is taking its place is another fear-based way of looking at life. So we have to understand that these things do pass. Now the way that you're describing this is, there's the universal perspective, Millions of galaxies, multidimensional universes, the cosmos always expanding, um, the eternal presence that we're living in, that's timeless. And then there's time. And so our role is to bring the timeless into time, meaning creativity, innovativeness, resourcefulness, um, poetry, uh, generosity, that's, those are timeless. It means you've gone to a space outside of time and you've brought something into time. That's what a soulful artist does. They bring something into time. So most people lose their perspective and they live primarily from fight or flight. You know, uh, they're trying to save their life. They're into, they're into the survival frequency. They lose their perspective of the cosmos, of their connect- connection to the timeless. So this is what spiritual practice is all about. It's not about uh, magical thinking, or wishing that something wasn't happening, or burying your head in the ground and pretending that a bad thing did not happen. It is about understanding that in this universal perspective, there aren't any problems. 
There aren't there are only ideas and solutions and spiritual prototypes, and we have to go there and get them and bring them here. You know, this is a solution for everything. There, can, there cannot be a problem and not be a solution. That's an impossibility. You know, but you don't get to the solution from fear or being 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 time blinded. The solution comes from your expanded awareness. You know, so again, you don't pretend something negative is not happening. Things there's some destruction going on. There's some hate happening. You know, there's police brutality happening. My brother just got kneed on and got killed. You know, uh, that, uh, the individual was soulless. He had no, the individual that killed him, murdered him in plain daylight, plain sight, had no uh, um, feeling for another human being that he was holding down. That kind of uh, uh, thought is still alive. You know, and the narrative behind the thought that a person with darker skin is less than, that narrative still exists. And so we're here to change that narrative, you know, and, and uh, to act on every single level to change that level, level, that narrative from the cosmos all the way to grassroots act, action, you know, from a perspective of holding a vision of what's possible. You know, that's kind of our role right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. And we all have the capacity to do that. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I would like for you to, if you could, because like you said, fear is, fear is the most contagious thing right now. Yeah. And my mission from the beginning of this shift that's happening, you know, with COVID spreading was just this premise that I live by is that we fear what we don't understand. Right. Right. So like, how can I help people to, to get educated about how viruses work, how their immune system works. And it's been wonderful, the feedback. You've done a good job on that too, by the way. Thank you, thank you so yeah. much. And so that's, that's one part of it though, but I know that there's more. There's, like you said, there's many solutions. So in understanding that many people are, even if they don't realize it, likely debilitated by fear right now, if they're not taking action in their lives, if they're not seeing a higher vision, if they're not seeing the opportunity and what can be done, um, what can we do to kind of turn that fear around and, and, and find a way to just bring, bring that, the, the greater gifts that you were talking about into the real world? Well, first of all, we have to understand that fear is an energy. It's energetic. And energy, as you know, is, is never created or destroyed. It just transmutes itself. It, it becomes a higher or lower frequency. So when you begin, I'll cover this in a couple of levels. So fear can be transmuted to excitement and excitement can be transmuted to enthusiasm if you walk in the direction of being your better self, walk in the direction of a goal, walk in the direction of some kind of accomplishment, walk in the direction of some kind of service, you can transmute fear. So you, I, don't, I don't teach people, well, in order to do something, you gotta get rid of your fear. You never, that's never gonna happen. What you do is you become aware, okay, I'm afraid. Every, every, we're all human, okay, there's fear here. Okay, now I'm gonna walk in the direction of my good so that the fear then becomes excitement. I'm excited now. Then excitement becomes enthusiasm. Enthusiasm means in God, in feels, in the presence. So we have to do that on three levels. There's the physical level. You teach a lot about this. What is your nutrition? What is your sleep pattern? What is your exercise? You know, so you, you can control that. You can control what goes in your body. Are you doing a lot of sugar? Are you doing a lot of processed foods? Blah, blah, blah. You know, so on the physical level, nutrition, 
exercise, uh, sleep. You, we talked earlier about uh, uh, taking a, a, a break from our devices. What did you call it? A screen curfew. A screen curfew. You know, have some screen curfew time in which you, you pull away from that. that. That affects you physically. Then there's mentally. What is your inner conversation like? You got to catch yourself when you're going down a track of worry. Worry is emotionally rehearsing the very things you don't want to experience. Mm -hmm. You're rehearsing it. Oh, I hope this doesn't happen. Oh my God, I hope this doesn't happen. What are we going to do if this happens? You know, now you're rehearsing. Your body doesn't know the difference between whether it's happened or hasn't happened. It's just going to give you the cascade of chemicals that match what you're emotionally rehearsing. So mentally, we have to take dominion over our thinking. We have to be aware of those thoughts and begin to say other things to ourselves. It's going to be okay. I'm, I'm going to make it through this. Uh, I'm going to grow through this. I'm going to become a, a better individual because of this. You, you know, you can begin to create your own self-talk so that mentally you're not picking up what's in the news. You're not allowing someone else's agenda to get into your mind. You know, it doesn't mean you're not prudent. Doesn't mean you're not careful. Doesn't mean you don't take care of yourself. Physically, you're washing your hands, you're showering, you know, you're, you're taking care of yourself, yes. But mentally, you're starting to talk to yourself differently. I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay. You can just start with that. And then spiritually, we become aware, and this is not religion, it's not religious. You know, spiritually, we open ourselves up to the fact that there's something about us that's eternal. That's forever. And this is when real prayer comes in. I'm not talking about begging a God, a magical God out there. I'm talking about really communing with the presence and having a, an inner realization that what you're praying for, you already have it. And then there's meditation in which you are communing with the eternal. Uh, there's breath work. There's other spiritual technologies your yogic practice, your spiritual, other spiritual technologies that bring you into an awareness of your spiritual nature. So now you have your spiritual nature guiding your mental nature, guiding your physical nature. <clears throat> so now you're walking in the direction of your unfolding. Now, what does that mean? <clears throat> it means that we're, 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 change is always happening. But we can participate in our own unfolding. We don't have to fall prey uh, to the world of phenomena and all the things that are going on. You know, I, I'm aware. I know this for, for certain. This is not like conjecture. I know that everyone has a great destiny. I know that everyone has something beautiful within them. Just like every rose seed has a rose bush. It's in there already. So that's called unfoldment. When that seed is planted in the proper soil, it unfolds and reveals what's already in there. There's something within us. It, we want to participate in its unfolding. So if I'm walking in the direction of, I'm unfold, of my own unfolding, then my fear becomes excitement. Ooh, I don't, I don't even know what it's going to be. I don't have any idea what's here, but I'm walking in that direction. I become excited. And then when I make contact, I become enthused. You see, where's fear? It's been transmuted. It's been transmuted. Now, as I said earlier, the world has taken a nightmare pill. They're in deep fear. And 
There are certain powers that be that want you in fear. They can't control you if you're not in fear. They can't control you if you're not in fear. If you're not in fear, creativity happens. Innovativeness happens. Resourcefulness happens. Spontaneous goodness happens. New inventions happen. New ideas burst into the scene. We create our own renaissance. That cannot happen if people are in fear. I mean, right now, people are in a matrix of um, slavery. They, we actually pay for electricity, and electricity is free. <laughs> we actually believe we have to pay for that. That's, that's called slavery, you know? But powers that be have people believe in, I gotta, gotta pay for this electricity because one day it's gonna run out. No, it's not. You, you, you can have devices that give you free electricity. People are enslaved to fossil fuels. They actually believe they need it. They don't need it. There's a new something trying to emerge. However, the status quo keeps you in the matrix of fear so that you become enslaved to being a consumer rather than a creator. People actually believe they're born to go shop rather than born to actually deliver gifts and talents and capacities and music and dance and great architecture and great books and great ways of being with each other and love and compassion and generosity. You know, people are, are, are enslaved, don't even know it. That's, this might be uh, a tough pill to swallow, you know, and we talked about this you didn't realize because you haven't been watching the news that there's a death toll ticker going on on television, which again, it's, it's okay to be aware, but to have this running, like it's some kind, like these aren't even people anymore. Right. You know, it becomes statistics and statistically scary right. just because the number's growing. Right. And we don't have the re reverse. We don't have the good news report. Right. We don't have how many people are okay. Right. Guess what? Another person's okay, right. you know? That would, it would literally would transform humanity just to stay up to date with all the wonderful things that are happening. Not to say again, that there aren't problems. Yeah, and, and, not to not, and, and we definitely have compassion for people who've lost their loved ones, whether it's been in a car accident or whether it's been through uh, coronavirus or whether it's been through suicide or whether it's been through old age. Tremendous compassion for the people who've lost loved ones, absolutely. However, like you said, what if a ticker was up there that said, this person just had a remission, another remission, another healing of diabetes. Oh my God, this person healed cancer. What would happen to the mindset of people? We would begin to believe that certain things are possible rather than walking in a certain dread, you know? And, and right now, we're the reporters of that paradigm, whereas the reporters of the old paradigm are giving you a death ticker, you know? So people are going to sleep, hoping that they wake up in the morning or their parents wake up, or they're, they're, again, what is it doing? Eliciting fear. I don't want to be one of those statistics, yeah. you see. But what if we reversed it? This is how many births happened today. This is how many uh, people, you know, did, did something great. The whole mindset would change. Yeah. You know, the whole mindset would change. It's, I, I'm really picking up from you today. Fear is really driven by perspective in a big way. And one of the things we just shared on a recent episode, because what I do is when uh, an entity that people are listening to puts out information, I go and I look at the information in depth and I go and look at, okay, well, what do they say about this thing? And what do they say about that thing? And then you start to put together a, a more complete picture. And it's right there. The WHO is kind of 
the, the big governing body a lot of people are getting their news from. They're censoring things if it does, isn't in accordance to the WHO. That's a problem right there. Now, the craziest thing about this entire situation, if people really get this, it's a game changer. It's a shift in your fear. The WHO themselves has said that upwards of 650,000 people die every year from influenza. Now, with that said, and this is, I'm not getting into a comparison between this and that. This is a new virus. It's very infectious. Right. But my point being is that, number one, this should help to reduce the fear a little bit, but more so, let's look at why have we not been upset that we're losing 650,000 souls every year, 98% of them approximately having a chronic disease, right. which many of them are preventable. Why are we not taking care of our loved ones that right. we're kind of pushed to the side, that we're not connecting with anymore? Why are we not getting together in community and, and eating together and, and exercising together and having classes together and learning together? all the things that can help to prevent these losses of lives, but now everybody's upset. Right. To the degree that they're in fear and treating everybody even worse. Right. You know? it's, it's the first time you've had a quarantine of healthy people. It's never yeah. happened. It's never yeah. happened. Yeah. People quarantining because they're healthy, so they don't get sick. It's never happened in history. But with that perspective, you know, is driving the fear. It, it, absolutely. Um, it's called shelter in place. Shelter in place. And people also are unaware that you're going to, according to the AMA, you have two to 300,000 deaths from people going to the hospital and getting pharmaceuticals that kill them or botched surgeries, things of that particular nature. 300,000 people. I mean, that's way bigger than 9-11. Yeah. Every single year, people aren't. But we don't see the armed guards out there saying, don't go to the hospital. You know, it's perspective. It's, it's all perspective. That was it, published in Johns Hopkins. Very yeah. prestigious. Yeah. Iatrogenesis, third leading cause of death. Right, right below heart disease and cancer is death by physician. Right. Now, you never see thousands of people dying from an overdose of vitamin C. <laughs> overdose of vitamin D. Not too much. Too, too much, much C. Yeah. He, he did too much yoga. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he died of too much meditation. Never hear that. Never you don't hear that. that. No. And there's so many wonderful um, health practitioners out there, wonderful physicians, many of them listen to this show, who are doing great work, who are looking at these things, and they understand one of the biggest principles, is, of course, is to do no harm. Right. You know, and we're looking at this in the opposite way right now, unfortunately, you know? And so our system is set up in such a way that is wonderful for emergency medicine, wonderful. If somebody, act car accident, gunshot wound, transplant, wonderful, blood, blood transplant. But for chronic illnesses, we suck. I'm talking about terrible. It's astronomically it's terrible. It just continues to, to rise. Yeah. As the decades have gone down, as we become more evolved and more te technologically savvy, those things just continue to climb. We haven't even figured out how to get rid of the flu, but we're waiting on a vaccine for COVID. How's the flu vaccine worked out? <laughs> you know, like this is just basic things to think about. But you know, you're dealing with, first of all, we don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system. They deal with symptoms. They uh, take care of the symptoms with certain, either surgery or pharmaceuticals for the most part. But there's no real study on when people have a remission, somebody has diabetes, they heal it. Somebody has cancer, they heal it. There's no real study on what were the conditions for that healing, that that person does not have diabetes anymore. That person does not have cancer anymore. What were the conditions? No, no, they just move on to, well, here are the people who have cancer. Here are the protocols. 
you know, here's your radiation, here's your chemo, here's this, here's that. But there's no real medical model looking at what are the conditions for these individuals healing. That's why I say we have a sick care system, not a health care system. And our health care system is not even as good as some of the other Western uh, industrial countries, you know, whether it's Canada or Great Britain. You know, we're, in America, we're kind of behind the, we're kind of behind a little bit, you know. But, but, you know, it goes back to what? Pretty much greed and profit. It's, it's, a, it's a system based on greed and profit, not based on the Hipp Hippocratic Oath, which is do no harm, you know. And, 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 and the, I think the doctors are well-meaning, but they're trained in a certain way. Exactly. They're trained. They know more about a pharmaceutical than they know about nutrition. How can you go through medical school and not know about nutrition, but you know more about a pill? It's, it's, it's not yeah, good. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't matter what you put in your mouth, but here, put these pills in your mouth. Right. You know, it's just, it, it, it's mind-boggling, really, you know? And, and this is why I love doing this work, is that, again, I asked the questions, and it was just like, so okay, where does this medication come from? So I'll go and like actually find out like where does lisinopril come from? And it comes from something in nature. Right. Well, but it's isolated. They isolate something. This is actually from snake venom, right. Right? which is crazy to consider. You know, like you got something that's coming from a snake venom, which is supposed to be poisonous. But just like so many different things, like there's a, a healing factor in a lot of things, you yes. know. But we've got lisinopril, we've got metformin. A lot of medications are actually based on mushrooms. Right. Like 30% of the uh, pharmaceutical drugs, you know, they're based on some kind of fungi, should I say, not mushroom right. specifically. And so nature has a lot of this stuff, but again, it's, it's how you're taught. Yeah, it's, it's how you're taught. You know, aspirin came from a tree in Africa, you know, but, but when you buy aspirin, it doesn't have all the same powerful ingredients that you get it, if you get it direct. It can actually harm you over a period of time. But uh, you can't patent a lot of these things from Mother Nature. So it has to be synthesized in a way that can become chemicalized and then can be sold and then we put a profit on it. So you know, the, the system itself, you know, generates greed and a, a sense of um, objectifying us as commodities to extract money from rather than human beings that were called to have compassion and heal. And so we're in the midst, and you talk about turbulence, I think we're in the midst of a great change. I really think that a lot of people are waking up and starting to question, like you're, you're, you're talking here, a lot of people are asking questions that they've never asked before, whereas people used to just walk lockstep and just follow government and follow medical establishment. People are asking questions now. And I, th I think we're in the midst, we're in the midst of a great change. Even though the negative precedes the birth of something new, we're in the middle of it right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you have the analogy of the, the chicken and the egg. Yes. And I think that that was very poignant yeah. for this time because I've, I've had this statement run through my mind many times over the years and I'll try and push it away. And I've said it to my wife many times that I think that this is going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. And, and I've seen that play out, you know, especially when you're changing a paradigm, yes. when you're moving to another level, it's just like this old thing has to be taken care of. Right. And it like, it will really hang on. Like McDonald's uh, market share just started to, to tank once uh, folks like Vani Hari, the food babe who we've had on the show, like gotten out 
help to change some, you know, even working with legislators and things like that. But McDonald's was like, we're not going out like that. We got kale shakes now, yeah. right? So like- <laughs> And come, salads. Right, we got salads, salads to go. We got the shaker salads or whatever, you know, just like we're, we, we got some kale in here, you know, like they're, they're adapting, but it's just like, what is the heart of this entity? Where's the heart at? And the thing is for me, I got to a place also where I do appreciate the change because sometimes change is gonna come from you know, entities that might've been what we might consider, you know, a little bit on the dark side. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't mind people making profit, but, but you can, you can transition into, into having a business that's profitable, but it's also doing good work. It's all, it's also embracing, you know, something that's non-polluting, not tearing up the earth, not killing the ozone, not tearing up the rainforest, not polluting the oceans. You can have a great thriving business that that's that's in concert and in alignment with with the fundamental principles of reality and the earth absolutely so i don't mind them changing you know we want to move towards a non-polluting environment i don't care if they make money doing that you know but uh this this changed the paradigm that's the thing about it is nothing changes unless individuals actually re-enchant their imagination about the possibility call it naive if you want but every great change has come through people who have imagined something different and said, I wonder if this is possible. You know, and they may have been thought crazy at the time, yeah. you know, but eventually that re-enchantment of the imagination leads to thought, leads to inspiration, leads to action, leads to change, you know. And so we, right now you have groups of people that are just stymied by fear, their imagination has been hijacked into, oh, I gotta save my body, I gotta, I'm afraid of being dead, I'm afraid of being annihilated. And their imagination is not with, you know, what kind of person do I wanna be? Where do I wanna grow? You know, five years from now, who do I want to be? You know, what, what, do, what gifts have I, do I want to give before I leave this planet? We have to bring people to a higher order of questioning rather than being caught in the, the fear that they're in right now. Yeah. I, I wanna do something really practical for you know, folks in their nuclear families who are suddenly that construct is very different now mm -hmm. for many people, alluding to something that we're, for the most part, all of us are experiencing on one level or another. Some folks are isolated. They haven't seen their family for a while mm -hmm. or they'll do the drive-by wave, right? I've seen many drive-by parties take place recently or some folks are, they're, they're sheltered in place with their nuclear family, you know, their, their kids or their spouse and or spouse. Maybe the dog's getting on your nerves right now. You know, <laughs> like I didn't like your bark. You know, I used to like your bark, it was cute, but you're just tired of it. So knowing that our, our, our constructs are different, what are some of the things that we can start to do so that we can love each other more? Because I don't, you probably are aware of this, but uh, relationships, divorces, Problems in marriages right now, or they're starting to, to, to edge into a higher place? Yeah, it's, it, things have become more intensified. Now, before I answer that question, I saw a, a something on Instagram, uh, a, like a joke, and it had uh, this guy being interviewed, and he was saying, uh, if you have to be quarantined with your, your spouse and your kids, A, uh, would you, no, if you had to be quarantined, A, would you be with your spouse and kids, or Hey, he said, hey. <laughs> before, before you can get to the next, the next before you can get to B, he said, hey, no, I don't, no, he said B, no, he said B, he said B, before he even knew what B was, 
you know, which, which deals with the intensity that you're talking about. So the first thing you talked about was the drive-by. And so I think that individuals are, at that level are beginning to come to an understanding and not take things for granted. You know, your, your ability to, to see your mom or your, your, your friend, you can't see them right now. And there was a time where people may have taken that for granted. Uh, I'll, I'll go by and check on mom later, or I'll go see dad next week. He'll be there. And now they realize, no, they may not. We may not be able to see them. So I think people are growing in a level of not taking things for granted, you know, and, and, are, and are reaching out more. They're doing not only drive-bys, you know, they're texting each other, they're calling each other, how you doing, checking in. So that's a growth in compassion and a level of intimacy. Now, when it comes to tight quarters, you know, generally <clears throat> people think they're mad at the other person, but they're actually mad at an assumption they have in their mind about what they, they think the other person should be doing. And so they're, they're actually, <laughs> I just looked over at my wife. <laughs> they're mad at their own, they have their own assumptions and they're, they're bumping up against their own assumptions and projecting it onto the other person. So we have to take, um, responsibility for what our own assumptions are about what we think somebody else should be or what they should be doing at this time. And we have to own that. And then we have a level of patience. And instead of living in what should or shouldn't be, we have to deal with what is. You know, um, I'm not in a good mood. Not in a good mood. Don't put that on anybody. You're feeling tired and caged in. You're feeling tired and caged in. Own that. But don't put that on somebody else because you're feeling tired and caged in. Somebody's done something you don't like, you assume they were going to do something different. Own that energy. You know, this is, this is subtle stuff, but if people began to just practice, you know, accepting what is rather than what they want it to be, their joy, their baseline of joy would be higher. There'd be greater spaciousness and then greater compassion and then a greater ability to dialogue, to have conversation. And you know what? It's not, it's not, there's nothing wrong with, I need a moment. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, I'm going to another room. I'm gonna be by myself. If people gave people that opportunity, you know, I, don't, I, I just wanna hang out by myself right now. Then I think that the, um, the intensity that people get into, because when people get into intensity, they're trying to get that other person to fit their assumption of reality that they're holding. And you should not. No, 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 no. That's a core truth right there. Because, and, and I've seen this, what we tend to do when we're upset with our significant other, to really just kind of break it down to its bare minimum is they're not doing the thing that you want them to do. Right. Right. And the crazy thing is we get mad about that but that's the nature of humanity. You can't walk in somebody else's shoes. People are always gonna do stuff you don't want them to do. Absolutely. And life will be boring, right. you know? Like it just brings some variety and spice to life. So I started to like look at the things that my wife would do that I didn't necessarily want her to do. It was like, oh, that's cute. You know, I had to change it. I had to change that energy, you know, and, and think about that's it interesting. You know, but it's just really, I, I took away from that because it's really us, you know? But it's like, it's a, it's a healthy version of, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. You know, it's not the breakup version, it's the, you know, healthy relationship version. Right. And, and see, what happens is we, we ratchet it back from this, uh, I get mad at you. I ratchet that back to my mind is just mad. To, it goes back to, why is my mind mad? My mind doesn't have to be mad. You know, 
I can actually take responsibility and look at those thoughts and not send them out anywhere. So I'm not mad at you. First, I go back to, I'm just mad. And then, hmm, what is that thought that's driving that mad? This is all part of introspection that we all have a lot of time for. People have a lot of time, particularly if they take the, uh, the curfew, you know, to just look at their own mind. Just look at it. You know, where, where are those thoughts coming from? Are they my thoughts? Did I inherit those thoughts from previous relationship, from uh, uh, growing up? Do I have to keep them? No, I don't. I can choose a higher thought. I can actually do that. I actually have dominion and actually choose a higher thought, expand my awareness. And so I think that the, the benefit, if we can say that, the corona bonus, is that uh, people can actually use this time to do a great reset of their own awareness. That's powerful, so powerful. So I reached out to you um, a couple weeks ago. I sent you a, a voice memo and I just shared something that I only share with my wife because I found myself thinking thoughts and saying things out loud that I don't normally say. And it, like, it takes a lot for me to, to feel the way that I was feeling. And the, the word, and I'll share it here, what I, what I expressed is that I was feeling a sense of disappointment. Mm -hmm. I was feeling very disappointed in humanity, the way that we were responding, I was feeling very disappointed in the, the so-called leaders, the people who uh, monetize their platforms and you know always sharing this and that, but not really stepping up and, and speaking truth mm -hmm. and doing their homework and finding a way to help. Mm -hmm. They're just, they continued on their little, you know, uh, you know, get my vitamin or whatever the case might be, you know? And so I was just feeling this sense of disappointment, which I just, it was so, it made me feel so off center. And I listened to one of your messages, uh, something you guys had posted on uh, one of your platforms. And it just got me like, I woke up, I remembered, oh, t let me ask a different question. Mm -hmm. You know, let me see what this is really about, because I was so in it. Right. So can you talk a little bit about that? When you're so in it, how do you get from being in it, in the, in the, in the muck, in the dirt, right. to being able to ask that empowering question? Right. That, that's that's, that's the, called the quantum leap, where you go from one level to another without a ladder. And so one of the ways of doing that is being able to ask a question. Um, one question, if, if a person is in a really dark space, because um, there's, there's depression going on now too. There's people that are, you know, uh, having some very hard times. <clears throat> so you ask a question such as, um, if whatever this thing is, whatever the, whatever the person thinks is causing the depression or causing the dark thing, if that were to last forever, what quality would I have to grow in order to have peace of mind? You, if you ask that question, the mind will go on a hunt. You know, what quality would I have to grow? You know, oh, is it kindness? Is it, is it patience? Is it, is it forgiveness? The mind will go on a hunt. And, and eventually you'll find what you need. Oh, God, I need to be more forgiving. Then what happens is the mind will start going towards forgiveness. I'm just using this as an example. And then the condition will, will recede in significance. And then forgiveness will, will open a window for you to see life differently. The perspective will change, you see. So the, so the, the question is, 
you know, if this, whatever this thing is, were to last forever, what quality would I have to grow, you know, in order to have peace of mind? The mind goes on a hunt. So that's, that's one way of, of doing it. The other thing that you did was you began to ask a different question. You began to answer a diff, ask a different kind of question. Now, here's the deal. Universal principle says that the universal presence through the laws will answer any question that you ask. That's a principle. Now, most people will ask, what's wrong? Who's to blame? How did this happen? Why me? Those are disempowering questions. They don't take you anywhere but into a downward spiral. What's wrong? You start to get into what's wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. Who's to blame? Oh, they're to blame. They did this, you know. Um, you know why me? How did this happen? But if you ask another question, what is the meaning of this for me? You know, you could ask, what is, what is, what is, this, what is the meaning? For instance, sometimes um, when I have to do a memorial service, I just I dis, dis one, did one recently, and um, I'll say, instead of asking, you know, what is the meaning of this person dying so young? Or I'll say, ask this question, how can I give my life meaning based on knowing this person? How can I give my life meaning? That changes the energy. Oh, this person was very gregarious. He's very loving, very forgiving. Oh, I can give my life meaning by taking some of those qualities and keeping him alive in my heart as I go on to life. So we can ask, you know, what is the meaning of this? You know, how can I grow? How can I become more myself? We change. If you ask that question, the universe is going to answer it. It's going to be subtle or it's going to be a book may fall off a shelf or somebody, you'll, pick, you'll hear a CD or something. It's, oh, the universe will answer it. But we have to be sincere in our asking. We have to really stop asking disempowering questions. They're called life's futile questions. What's wrong? Who's to blame? Why me? Those are futile questions. They have no answers to them. But if we ask a higher question, you start to ratchet out. Now, it doesn't mean that condition changes immediately. But as you said earlier, your perspective changes. And then answers, guidance, intuitive hits, direct knowing, creativity, innovativeness starts to happen regarding the condition. You end up being a changed person. And then what do you do? Years later, you look back and you say, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. That negative thing, whatever it was that I hated, I look back at it now, it's grown me into this being. Yeah, so powerful. Um, the last thing I wanna ask you about, of course there's many other things I wanna talk about, but I think that this is very uh, timely and important right now. My mission is, you know, we never really necessarily, I can't personally save someone's life. Mm. You know, it's, it's a choice from within. And let, of course, like there's a situation, you know, to movie, movie scenario, right, I'll dive, I got you, you know, I dive in and, and do my um, merman thing and save somebody, but outside of that, it's a decision, and right now, we're in the midst of a um, really frightening time for the ramifications of how our society has shut down, and what we're looking at now is being labeled as these deaths of despair, and if you look at some of the data coming out from public health officials in Australia, they're looking at potentially 10 times more death from suicide than from COVID. Right. And we're seeing the potential from here. Same thing, 
not just suicide, because people think unemployment and they just connect that one thing. It's also about a 50% increased risk of heart attacks. Mm -hmm. Homicide goes up, jail goes up. There's so many other conditions and we're looking at potentially it's, and if it unfolds the way that it's going right now, this is going to be several million, million lives lost. I think I just want to do something about it. You know, I want to do the very best that I can to help to, to curb that. It's not already done. So is there anything that we can do as far as like, you know, if you can speak to people that are having a hard time or also like, what can we do to help transition this movement and change the direction personally if we are in a good place, but we want to change this narrative? Right. Again, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, two, it's at least two levels. Anybody who is suffering, you know, of course, we want to embrace beings with compassion. You know, people are suffering. Uh, they have lost their jobs. They've lost friends and family. And we, we want to, again, help them think about something differently. We want to begin uh, to help them uh, have an awareness that it's called hope, you know. Uh, I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. It starts with hope. Just a little bit of hope that things can be better. And then hope opens its way up to faith. Faith is you start to believe something you can't even see yet. And then faith then births conviction. I know, I know it's going to be better. I know it's okay. So people that are hopeless, we want to give them a little hope. We want to give them, show them scenarios of people who are in the same situation they were in, but, but there were answers. There were uh, ways of, of changing. Uh, ways of embracing a higher order of, 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 their own, of their own being. So, you know, again, we, we can't be callous. You know, they're, 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 there's suffering going on, you know. Where we're concerned, we cannot go into the vibration of that suffering. That doesn't help. Compassion, you know, there's, there's sympathy, which means I, I'm, I, I'm feeling exactly what you're feeling. We don't want to be sympathetic. We don't want to be empathetic, which is I'll feel for you. We want to be compassionate, which means I'm not going to go into the ditch with you, but I'm going to ask this question, how can I serve you? You know, so that's what compassion says. How can I serve you? Not, not how I can feel what you're feeling. There are some people who are empaths, they just feel it anyway. But how can I serve? So I think if we all ask, how can I serve? We'll get an answer that's one, universal, and two, individual. Somebody may serve by going to the soup kitchen and serving meals. Somebody may serve by making a tremendous, or as much as they can, donation to suicide prevention or to uh, working on the suicide hotline, funding that. You know, so if I ask, how can I serve? I'm going to be given a unique prescription for me. This is how I can serve, you know. And then we must be aware of this that everything is in flux right now, the whole world. Nothing as it as, is normal, nothing as it was, which means this is a time for great change. But we have to be the architect of that change, not the old paradigm. We have to do it. So we have to be empowered to have new vision, new dreams. We have to begin to describe the world we want to live in. We have to describe it. Right now, we can describe what we don't want more than what we do want. So what are we going to get? what we don't want. So everyone is charged to write down the description of the world they want to live in and write down the description of how they can serve. 
universal law would take that over. And this is what we were seeking to do um, a few days ago with the uh, May Day World Meditation, have millions of people begin to stop, reset, and reimagine the world we want to live in. We have to do that. I'm not the old forces that want to control your life and extract money from you by any means necessary will define the future. If you want to know what the future is, create it. And you create it by defining it. This is what the law says. The law says not you, 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 you describe what you see. The law says you see what you describe. So, so again, on the individual level, I ask, how can I serve? On the universal level, we have to all ask. We have to begin to describe the world we want to live in, particularly during this time of great changes, because nothing is malleable. Everything is malleable. Nothing is set anymore. Nothing is set. Yeah. You know. So we can. We, it's all. It's like Plato. It's 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 clay. We can. The clay is hot. It's we can we can make some changes if we come out of fear and begin to describe the world we want to live in. And then I ask myself, what's my role in that? What can I do? And we all walk in that direction. Excitement, enthusiasm, hopelessness, to hope, to faith, to conviction, things will change. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. This is one to share up with your friends and family. So many incredible nuggets of wisdom here. And of course, you can take a screenshot of this episode, tag me. I'm at Sean Model on Instagram and tag Michael Beckwith as well. He's at Michael B. Beckwith. And listen, we are just getting warmed up. I've got some incredible masterclasses, world-class guests coming for you very, very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.